Hi, everyone. Today's scripture is Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that our the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Ellie. So I, uh, I forgot to introduce myself at the beginning. My name is Dave. I'm the, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And as I just illustrated, I do want to let you all know I have a stutter. It'll kind of come in and out as I, as I preach. And I just want to make sure that you know what that is um, and that you have a, have a heads up on that as, um, as we walk through our time together. Together, So we're starting a new series this week. We have been in um, a different, different series. We were in, in, in Isaiah, and then we, we just kind of hunkered down for Easter. And then now we're starting a series. For the next seven weeks, we'll be walking through one chapter of the Bible, Romans chapter 8. And, uh, and then after that, for those of you who want to look ahead and know, we'll be in 1 John and then we'll be in revelation. So that's a, a heads up on where we're headed. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. If you have a copy of God's word, a Bible. I can't hear if I'm cutting in and out. I, and I can't even tell what's a stutter, what's the mic. You know, it's could be, who knows. But at some point, just throw thr- thr- a microphone at me. If, uh, if need be, and I'll just catch it like a ninja. And then, so, there you go. So, um, anyway, turn with me there to God's Word. If you don't have a Bible with you and you would like one, if you don't own one or you simply forgot uh, it or don't have it with you, uh, especially throughout these next w- weeks, I'd love for us all to be able to look through uh, God's Word as we kind of slowly walk through. So, if you'd like one, will you hold your hand up and keep it up, and somebody will get you a Bible. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, um, eso es un regalo a usted. So again, this is our gift to you. And um, we want to make sure everyone has, has a copy of God's Word um, to, to not only follow along in the sermons, but to read and consider and be shaped by. So now let's pray again as we move into our time together in Romans chapter 8. Again, Lord, as we prayed earlier, this is your church, Jesus. And now on behalf of the people, I pray that the words of my mouth, Lord, that the thoughts of each of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight Lord, I I pray that you do a work, that you help open our ears and our eyes to hear from you specifically. Lord, you choose in your infinite wisdom to speak through broken people who are sharing your perfect, lasting word or to shape us, to inform who we are and who you say we are called to be. And then in turn, how we live our lives. 
So we pray that you will do a work among, among us as we humbly and corporately come together. In Jesus' name, amen. What does God think about me? Disappointment, frustration, a judgment, anger. That's a question that a young church planter asked. He was a aspiring kind of new pastor planting a church. And as he hung his head low and walked at the construction site to go pick up the hammer he had just thrown after screaming out the F-bomb, after hitting his thumb with a nail, and uh, yet another outburst of anger in front of his whole construction crew, these people he'd been pouring his life into, sharing his faith with, hoping that his church would grow and build with some of these people, some of his coworkers, his friends, and even he was in, in you know, everyday kind of average Joe, he, he, was, um, he, he, was, he, was, he was also, though, seeking to present what it looks like to follow Jesus, like what the good news of Jesus looks like in shaping and transforming a person's life. And one of the biggest things he struggled with is anger. And so he, he constantly tried to keep it under control. And yet in this moment, one of many, it like a beach ball, keeping, trying to keep a beach ball underwater, it inevitably would pop up and hit your thumb with a hammer. And that's the beach ball comes flying up and the hammer goes flying, right? And so he went and as he walked, he just considered, what does God think of me? Am I a joke? Am I a, am I a hypocrite? Man, is God shaking his head at me? Are his arms folded? Is he looking down his nose at me just saying like, you did it again? What, what does God think of me? Now, some of you who know me well might think that story is about me. It very well could be, but it's not. It's actually, if you've seen the movie, The Jesus Revolution, or you've um, heard of it, I heard the story years and years and years ago when I was in college, actually, when I was a college student, someone shared that story with me about Chuck Smith, the, the, the founder of Calvary Chapel, and, uh, and that he, he's written many things about, about his understanding of who he is and how God views him. So for him, anger was one of the, again, primary things that he walked through. I can certainly relate with that. Let me ask, well, what is it for you? It might not be anger, or it might not be outbursts of anger. Is it gossip? Is it judgment of others? Is it self-loathing? Is it um, power? Is it approval from others? Is it comfort? What is it that, that you find yourself constantly trying to get away from but going back to and then in turn with that, what do you do about it? And what do you say to yourself? Maybe even more importantly, what do you think God thinks about you? Maybe you would say one thing, but on a, on a practical, functional level, on a heart level, you feel, you believe something else. Well, the Bible as a whole speaks into that question specifically what God thinks of us. 
And then specifically, the book of Romans as a whole really walks through who we are in relation to God, and then in turn, what he thinks of us and who he says we are. And then specifically in Romans chapter 8, we get that kind of like focused. We zoom in and we, we get that. And what we'll see specifically this morning is that if, if, if you belong to Jesus, you are accepted and empowered to walk in freedom. Okay, so that's what we'll see week in and week out is this kind of backdrop of who we are and it all comes down to our relationship or how we relate with Jesus. And then in turn there, who God says we are and in turn, who we are. So I, I wanna also encourage us each week, okay, we're not gonna get, hopefully this isn't ever how we go, but we're not gonna get kind of coffee mug, little statements, bumper sticker things that you just kind of get. Here's a little nugget to add to your, your day. Here's a little Jesus salt to sprinkle on your plate and then move, go on with your week and there it is, it's good. No, this is, this is gonna be some heavy, weighty stuff. It's gonna be complex truths that are also somehow very simple and in turn very shaping and very good. Here's what one commentary says about Romans chapter eight in, in specific. This is one of the great chapters of the Bible. It begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation. It defies description and needs to be read over and over until its surpassing message grips our hearts and souls. So again, I want to invite and encourage us as a church throughout these next seven weeks to just saturate in Romans chapter 8. And the whole series that we're walking through is life in the spirit. And all the other nine congregations of redemption, we're all walking through this series together. And specifically this morning, as we walk through four verses together, this is what we will see. Again, is that if you belong to Jesus, we have it up here on the screen, you can see this is where we're headed and how we'll walk through it, is if you belong to Jesus, you are accepted and empowered to walk in freedom. So again, that's how we'll walk through our time together. So with that in mind, go ahead and meet me in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, as we look at what it means to be accepted by God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Like if you went to middle school or high school English class, you probably heard something said, if you come across a therefore, ask, what is it therefore, right? It's connecting. Is that a conjunction? I don't know. I know the song conjunction junction, but I just got caught up in the song and don't remember what it's all about. But, right, it's connecting ideas and thoughts. What comes before? What comes after. So this is specifically right before this in chapter 7, the end of Romans 7, Paul articulates that story I, I told earlier in his own journey. The things I want to do, I don't do them. The things I don't want to do are the things I inevitably end up doing. And then he goes on and he says, therefore, 
there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he's connecting to what he just said, but also, so it's also connecting to chapter five. So I can relate with this. Paul's on kind of a stream of of consciousness. He's speaking, he's sharing, he's building. It's kind of the image is like you're in a courtroom and and this, this apostle Paul, whose life was changed by meeting Jesus. He is writing to a church in Rome and he's going and he's building this case about what it means to be God's people. And then after chapter five, he kind of takes an aside for two chapters, chapter six and, and seven, and he kind of builds into some themes that do inform what we're talking about now. But, but right now, when we get into what is the therefore, therefore, it's actually to connect us back to chapter five. Look at chapter five, verse one, what Paul says here. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we belong to Jesus, we are accepted by God. We have peace with God. We are reconciled with God. There is no condemnation. Again, let me just ask you, Um, The famous German theologian Martin Luther said, what comes into our mind when we think of God is the most important thing about us. Again, picture that moment when the beach ball comes flying up out of the water in your life, whatever it is for you. What comes to mind of how God views you? Are his arms crossed? Is he shaking his head? If so, that is not in line with what we learn of what God says he thinks about you. No condemnation, actually, in the translation is a little bit light. In a commentary I read this morning, actually, or a little devotional I'm walking through, um, Timothy Keller said, it actually means there's no possibility for condemnation. It's no longer even a potential. That, 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 that judgment and frustration and disdain and disgust is no longer even in the atmosphere. That, 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 that there's now acceptance. So again, what do you hear God saying over you? There's a song that we sometimes sing here, right? I am who you say I am. This is just quickly, my, my mom, some of you know, passed away in um, November, and we would talk about this a lot before Alzheimer's really kind of took on her mind. She has had an incredibly sharp mind, and, and we would talk about this, and often we are, though our own hearts condemn us, Scripture says, right? God does not, and we, this might seem a bit harsh, but I want to encourage us, sometimes when we feel a certain way, and we believe God likely feels a certain way about us, it, it comes down to whose word am I going to take, mine or God's? If God says, I don't condemn you, if God says, I accept you and I delight over you, who, whose word will you take? Whose word will you be shaped by? And h- how is this? It's because It comes down to whether or not you belong to Jesus. This language, for those who are in 
Christ Jesus. It's asking, who am I and whose am I? Do I belong to Jesus? If you belong to him, you are accepted by God. And you are set free. And so to help understand what in Christ means and what it means to be free from condemnation in Christ, let's pick up in verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Now, let me very briefly here explain something. So go ahead and keep that um, uh, up there. It's a bit confusing. So we're not going to, I often say, right, we want to go from the courtroom or the classroom to the streets, right, to the living room. Sometimes in church or in Christian spaces, we can keep it all intellectual and academic. Let's be honest with ourselves because that feels safer often. But God's, God's interest is always what's actually true in our hearts and what actually flows out in our lives. But in order to do that rightly, we do sometimes need to go in the classroom, right? Some of us don't like the classroom. We have PTSD from that place. We're, right, we're struggling, but it's important. So the classroom, something that's helpful up here is law that under in verse three there, what the law weakened by the flesh, that is meaning like the norm or the nature or the tendency or the work or the power. When it says law, it's like, this is just what happens, right? You hit your thumb with a nail. This is what uh, this is what happens. This is the law. This is what naturally flows out of that. And he's saying, well, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ. So the 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 natural outflowing, the inevitable outflowing of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the work of Jesus sets you free from the law, the natural outflowing of sin and death. And then in verse three, just again, where it's confusing, he says, for God has done what the law, now in this case, it's talking about the Jewish Hebrew Mosaic law, what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So this is basically our nature, right? The law of just who we are as human beings outside of God's intervention, we, we are weakened. We are stuck. Ephesians tells us we are dead. So outside of God intervening, we're dead. And even the law, the Mosaic law, even religion, even doing your best, trying hard. Some of us, that's us in here. We do all, we cross all the T's, dot all the I's. We show up to church all the time, right? We're here early. We, we never, we do it all. We, 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 we read our Bible just every morning. We do all this stuff and we think that's what gets us right standing with God. And the message here, we're going to actually really build on that next week. Okay, so come back. There you go. There's a teaser. Next week, we're going to really talk about that. But just so we understand as we're walking through it here, that that's, that's what Paul is building and is, and, is, and, is, and is hammering home. But again, um, I don't want us to get lost there because I want us to understand the big idea, though, today is if you belong to Jesus, you're accepted and you're free. There's no condemnation. 
if you belong to Jesus, if you're in Christ. So what does that mean? It means that God deals with our situation, our desperate situation of being dead in sin, of being stuck with the things I want to do, I don't do, the things I don't want to do, I do. God deals with it by becoming one of us. All right, in the second part of verse 3, he says, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus, God the Son, the creator of heaven and earth, eternally existing. Yes, sometimes, because one of my best friends would always say, no, 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 he's the son of God. He is the son of God, and he is God, comma, the son. Jesus is God himself, and yet he came into human form. He was born as a baby, conceived by the Holy Spirit, by God the Spirit, and then, right, carried nine months in the womb, and then birthed in a manger, right? We, 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 we celebrate these things, we remember, but this is, now imagine, oh, that's God. He, he, and why did he do this? In order to deal with sin. Okay, so to help us understand this, right, we circled back to chapter five. Now we're gonna go back even further to Romans three. Okay, again, just to help us understand. So now we're going back in the classroom, okay? So look at Romans chapter three with me where we help understand just how God deals with evil around us and, come on somebody, in us. Look at this. For all have sinned. Who? Who has sinned? All. It's every single one of us. All have sinned. And what does sin mean? Good question. It means falling short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. All right, again, some big words there that we need to help get on a ground street level, right? That we need to sink deeply into our hearts. So one there that we is not a big word, but one we might miss is grace. Grace simply means undeserved kindness. N- nothing you or I have done to earn, but completely unmerited, undeserved, it means kindness. God gives kindness. God is the initiator. He's the first cause. He's the one who gives. We don't do anything to warrant it or provoke him or prompt him or trick him. He gives it undeservedly. And what is it that he gives? Justification. I I love this. It's sometimes uh, understood as the shuns. I like this. There's a bunch of shuns. All right. I'm about to just kind of break down for us. The first is justification. Again, Martin Luther explained this as the great exchange. So justification is is actually a is when you have right legal standing. So what Jesus does is he exchanges our guilt. Because we have been rebellious. We have individually and corporately as humanity committed treason against God. We walked out on him. We tried to, we tried to form a coup 
And, and, and so we deserve judgment, and God needs to deal with it and change it. But in turn, what he does is Jesus comes, God himself, and lives the perfect life of loving God and loving neighbor. Just pause there for a minute. Can you imagine that? Every thought, every word, every action. Never a, oh, I'm thinking this about that person. They don't know it. I have a smile on my face, but right, like never once a wrong thought, word, or action for 33 years walking on this earth. I don't make, I struggle to make it 33 seconds sometimes, right? Jesus did his entire life perfectly. And so he has perfect right standing with God. And what does he do? He exchanges it for you and for me. And then next, propitiation. Well, what does that mean? This There's been a lot written about this, but this idea of propitiation, it's helpful to be broken down into two words, propitiation and expiation. Propitiation is taking the wrath that we deserve, right? We do deserve, right? I went back to God is not looking at you with his arms folded and shaking his head and scowling. But let's be honest, we deserve that, right? What, what our sin, when we in thought, word, or action, when we rebel against God and treat God's people, his children with contempt, with disgust, with abuse, we, we deserve God's judgment. We deserve God's wrath. But Jesus, in turn, takes it on himself. And that's what the cross is all about. But then he doesn't just take, he also gives. Expiation, the giving, all the acceptance, all the delight, all the joy that Jesus, the firstborn son of God, the child in whom God delights, all the favor right? He's the favorite kid. All the ice cream and special treats, right? Any of us that come from a big family, the favorite kid. Well, Jesus takes all those rights and privileges and love, and he gives it to you if you are in Christ. Another shun word, adoption. If you are adopted, you're in no way second class. You're in no way, you know, another one of the kids there. Again, we just think through our own categories maybe or so what does that no it means all the favor all the privileges all the love all the adoration that Jesus has from God the Father he gives and he shares and then that last shun word redemption that's a good name for her church it means to be set free it means to be to be completely freed and released from any kind of bondage in any way. Jesus did perfectly what you and I could never do. But if that's a one-time thing, that is good news, but it's also terrifying, right? Again, just for a moment, I want to hit home here for us. How many of us, um, someone mentioned earlier, I think Marcus, during the pastoral prayer, said some of us are in a mountaintop high right now. Has anyone ever felt that where you're just, the birds are chirping, the, 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 right, I have this whole image in my mind, like that perfect song comes on the radio, your hair's doing just what you want it to do, not me, but some of you, um, right, everything's perfect, you just, you're feeling good, all this stuff. And, and as you get old enough, maybe a little bit salty enough, you're, it's not as good because you know eventually the bottom's going to fall out. 
well, this is it. I'm going to get a flat tire. I'm going to, you know, something's going to be wrong. I don't know what's going to f- find me at home when I get home. So I'm, I might circle the block a couple times just to keep this feeling going for a little, little while, right? It's not going to last, whatever we, and sometimes we, we, we then put that on our relationship with God as though he did something for us one time and then basically said, all right, good luck. I got you started, right? Like when you're on your tricycle or a little bike or whatever, right? Okay, go ahead. We'll see how you do. And then we fall. We, we mess up the things we don't want to do. We do. I knew it would happen, right? That's what we think. But no, God continues to empower us to live the life that he calls us to live, that he invites us and, and that he actually establishes us in. Look in verse four. He did all this if you are in Christ Jesus, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, our own effort, our own striving, but according to the Spirit. It's only good news if God continues to pave a way. And his provision is by sending the Spirit, not our efforts, not our pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, not our, oh, I'm going to keep this beach ball underwater this time. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to stop throwing hammers. I'm going to, you know, change my, my schedule. I'm going to get more sleep. I'm going to eat a little better. I'm going to do whatever. No, but again, God's undeserved favor, God's undeserved provision. And we're going to actually really unpack that together next week. But for now, church, don't miss the forest for the trees, right? We've spent some time in the classroom. Justification, propitiation, expiation, redemption. Those are important words. If you want them to be sent out to you, we can send them. If you're taking notes, that's good. But don't miss the big idea. Circle back to verse 1. If you belong to Jesus... If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. It's not even possible. You are accepted and delighted in. And what does that do for you? It sets you free. Counterintuitively, when we struggle and strive, what does that do? It eventually weighs us down and we end up sinning. But when we focus on the fact that we have been set free, that we have, we are now not even possible, we we are not condemned now, we will not be condemned tomorrow, somehow that truth, that good news, now empowers you to walk in faithfulness, to love your neighbor, to worship God, to glorify him, to walk humbly, to understand that who you are and whose you are is based on what Jesus has done and who he says you are. And he says, you are delighted in. You are never condemned. You are set free. And you are now empowered to live all of life, all for Jesus, in response to all he has done for you. Let's pray together.
again, Lord, I'm so aware that um, these things we've talked about are so much easier to roll off the tongue than to sink deeply into our hearts. And so I do pray that your spirit, the spirit whom you've sent to empower us, to equip us, is the same spirit right now at work speaking through your word to speak your truth into our hearts. For every one of us in here individually, for all of us in here corporately as a church, I don't know what we need to hear, but I know we need to hear from you. Lord, will you help us understand the severity and weight of our sin, our rebellion against you, the need to be justified, the need to have our wrath, your wrath taken from us and put on Jesus, and the need to have who you are as delighted in given to us. We can't earn that. We do not deserve that, but still you give it to us. Lord, shape us by your good news, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.